This week on The Real Estate of Life with Kevin Riles and Friends, Kevin presents part two on Apartment Investing 101. So lean in and listen up for another informative episode of The Real Estate of Life with Kevin Riles and Friends. Support for this program comes from the Digital Broadcasting Network, presenting podcasts and web series from everyday people who have an extraordinary passion to make the world a better place. All right. Now, um, you take one of these properties, uh, and um, let's say I specialize, let's go ABC. I'll give you the technical definitions, I'm gonna give you um, what, um, how we use. So in apartment investing, or really in commercial real estate in general, there are different property classes. A class, B class, C class. A class, B class, C class. A class is essentially new properties. Properties less than 10 years old, typically is considered an A-class property. B-class property is usually between 10 and say 20 years old. I'm being real general, it depends on the class property, right? C-class is everything else, right? And then B and F, no, I'm just joking. Uh, it's only A, B, and C. However, there are some Ds out there. Well, Wouldn't right? D be the hood property, right? Yeah, no, well, sometimes, yeah, you're right, sometimes. But sometimes I've seen D inside the loop in Montrose, right? It just depends on the level of work. So to explain that, to that point, eight properties, what you will hear people say is, so for instance, these two properties right here, specifically uh, the Scott Gray property, right? That property is an older property. It was built in the 60s, right? But it's been completely and totally renovated. Like, trap, I mean, like, it's, it's like, I wanted, when I looked at the pictures, I wanted to live there. It's awesome. So what you will say is, technically, that's a C property, by definition. But you will hear people say it's B plus or A minus because it's been renovated to a today standard. Or they may say uh, it's a C-class property renovated to, a, to an A. Or they may say it's a B plus property but it's an A area. So what we start doing is we start using A, B, and C for area, for the condition of the property, and things of that nature. But A technically means a newer property. But you will hear us say it's uh, um, a property because they took it to the studs and started over, even though it was technically built in 1965. All right? B properties are um, the same. You'll, see, you'll hear us say, well, technically it's a C because of the age, but it's been renovated to a B standard. B standard means I might not have done travertine, I might have just done really nice top, right? Uh, and, and puts a kiss of brand on it and things of that nature, right? And then C typically means age. 60s, 70s, and I'm kind of copacetic. I, I, I might have renovated, but it's what I call safe, decent, clean. Right? It's not, oh my God, it's safe, decent, clean. For Micah, you know, the sticking uh, uh, peel, you know, like C class, right? And so, what I always tell people from an investor standpoint, since it's apartment 101, is that um, in my opinion, the best investment, if you can find them, are C class apartment complexes at the end of the day. The reason I say that is because uh, typically your C-class is almost recession-proof, one. And what I mean by that is typically what happens is this. The economy's doing really, really well. A-class is whooping butt. B-class is, is doing okay. C-class is, is, is kind of all right, right? But when the economy does, so about three years ago, all these A-class apartment complexes y'all see around the Beltway and along 45, they were sucking wind. They were giving out free flat screen TVs, kids, they were giving anything, blood, anything they could 
you know, three months rent to get you in the door, right? To take your rent concessions. Um, and what happened was, because the economy wasn't doing well, people that couldn't afford an A, guess what they say? The B's. People that couldn't afford the B's, guess what they say? The C's, right? The people that couldn't afford the C's, B's, or just, you know, wherever, I don't know. Then when the economy gets better, guess what happens? D's go to the C's, the C's go to the B's, and the B's go to the A's. Guess who, guess who never really loses a whole lot of occupancy if you have a decent product? C, right? I came up with that all. There's probably somebody you know, that I <laughs> right? So to me, they're, they're, now, what you may have to do during a recession is discount rent, right? So, you know, because if I'm coming down, you know, I, I'm looking for cheaper rent. So you may have to consess on, on, on rent, but at the end of the day, it's in the middle of the pack. And so to me, those are the best opportunities. A, to me, is usually institutional and or um, you, you can withstand from an economic standpoint any kind of downturn or change in the economy. A class properties across, in, across commercial property types are more sensitive to the economy. Because right? they're newer, they're better, they're more expensive, things of that nature. Right? The great thing about C-class properties right now is there's been never been a time where in Houston where you're getting better rents on C-class property. When I first really started doing um, multifamily hard and heavy, uh, C-class property rents were like 70 cents to 75 cents a square foot, plus or minus, right? Right now they're $1.30. That's been like six years, right? $1.30 a square foot. Pretty much no matter where you go in Houston, it's going to be plus or minus a dollar, but most likely right now, a dollar ten, a dollar twenty a square foot, right? That means eight hundred square foot apartment. I'm getting a thousand dollars in rent. That sounds about right, right? Even out here, I'll probably get a little bit more, but I'm just saying, right? It's plus or minus a dollar. So, what I'm saying is, that if recession hits, things go bad. Maybe that goes back down to a dollar ten, right? But again, I'm still, I'm still occupied. I'm still servicing my debt. If I took on debt, so that's why I'm, I'm a big fan. If you can find them or see. The other thing, outside the scope of this, I think, because uh, this is what I'm doing, I have two lots that I'm about to build, two duplexes on. There is not enough affordable new construction multifamily in the Houston, greater Houston area. And what I mean by that, when I say affordable, people always think I mean like, you know, uh, uh, you know like bad stuff. No, I'm talking about like a dollar a square foot, a dollar 25 a square foot, safe, decent, clean, just happens to be new type stuff, right? There's just not enough of it. So to me, um, I've been telling people, especially since the market's been uh, kind of getting up there, that that is the next opportunity is to develop duplexes, quads, sixplexes. Because I can tell you now, if I'm selling you a 10 or a 20 or a 30 or a 40 or a 50 unit in Houston right now, that property was built before 1985. I'm not, there's no new product in, in under 50 units in Houston, period, point blank. So what's that mean? That means that, and when I say Houston, I mean great Houston out here as well, right? Uh, right now, code-wise, it makes it difficult to do it in Houston, but in some of these, like Texas City and, and Lamarck and uh, League City and things like that, you have, you can still do that, right? You can still do that. So to me, that's an opportunity uh, for folks to develop multi-unit uh, uh, property, small multi-unit uh, property. So just uh, put that out there. Any questions about A, B, and C? All right. CapEx, CapEx, capital expenditures. Capital expenditures, what does that mean? Capital expenditures are uh, things that you will do 
to a property, you can do this on the single family as well, that have an economic value, life value of more than a year, right? So if you go in and you fix a leaky toilet, that's just a repair. You go in and replace the toilet, that's a capital expenditure. Does that make sense? Right? If you go in and fix a broken window or window pane, that's a repair. You go in and replace all the windows, that's a capital expenditure. Right? And so what you the reason I point that out is because some mom and pops, in order to, to reduce their net operating income for tax reasons, they will expense their capital expenditures in their profit and loss statements. It ain't gonna fly. Hmm? It's not gonna fly though. Well, depends. If they're not trying to sell it, it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Right? They're trying to reduce their taxable income, which I understand. I would you know, I gotta do my tax now. If I can write off my toes, I'm gonna write them off, right? Uh, but I need them. Right? And so, but I always tell people I wish I could get to sellers that do that a year before so I can say, hey, you know, all that capital expenditure work that you did. Don't, don't write that up. Don't, don't put that in your profit and loss this year. Put that over, and I'm being real technical here, put that over in your balance sheet, which is where it really is supposed to go, all right? Uh, and I'm being financial kind of uh, CPA nerd. But at the end of the day, it reduces your income. And so if I need my, if I'm, if I'm trying to sell your property, I need your net operating income to be at its highest point, all right? So that I can apply that cap rate and get you the highest value. If you write off all your new air conditioning units all your new sinks and all your new flooring, I understand from a tax standpoint that's advantageous because my net operating income is going to be lower, right? But um, when I go to a buyer and say, hey, you know, I want you to buy this, he's like, well, no, that's calculated out to be a five cap. No, 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 no. He, 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 what he did was he put all the ACs, well, show it, show me, right? So what I do a lot of times when I get uh, financials from an owner, I ask him, have you done any capital expenditures in the last year? Oh yeah, we did this, this, and this. Can you give me the receipts of those so I can back those out of your repair number? Right? That's the Uncle Sam game versus versus the sale game. So you just need to be aware that we call that CapEx, right? And capital expenditure is a long-term repair. The same thing when you do I'm not a CPA, somebody might be back to CPA, but the same thing when you do your single family on your um, um, schedule, whatever schedule I forgot to say. Alright, um, I'm not CPA play one. But uh um, so, cap capital expenditure, knowing that is important. Now, as far as, uh, and I'm, uh, as we would say in the tradition of African American Church, as I come to a close, uh, at the beginning of this, I put uh, this reporting, and this is from the second quarter of last year, but things really haven't changed all that much. Uh, um, as far as the market is concerned, the market is hot. Just, it, it is. And so, I'm not one of those ones that will tell you. Uh, that uh, it's easy necessarily to find a deal right now because it it's, it's even challenging for me to find a product to, to, to market right now. But I'm still doing deals, all right? And the reason I'm still doing deals is because I'm, I'm always searching for deals and deals are still getting done. I think people are having to redefine what a deal is, especially if you're an experienced multifamily uh, investor. You're looking for those nine and 10 caps that we used to have like three, four years ago. And those nine and 10 caps are now eight caps. Right? Still a big cap. But you know, if, if, if you've grown up thinking I'm gonna get 10, 11, 12 cap, and all of a sudden everything's trading for eight, you seem like the market is too expensive. And for some of it, it is. Uh, and so I think if you guys are, are thinking about getting a multifamily investment, it's very, and it was, whether it's me or not, I, I really mean this, 
Uh, I think it's important that you get with either an experienced investor who's done multifamily before, uh, uh, or uh, you get with a broker that understands uh, uh, multifamily because you can, you can get yourself in a little bit of a, a hiccup by overbuying on your first deal and you're, please everybody pay their rent. Please everybody pay. You don't want to be in that, <laughs> in that situation where you need to be running at 90%, 95%, max out rents, dollar 35 to, to just service your debt. You don't want to be uh, in that situation. That's a passable deal uh, to me. Uh, the good, what I'm finding though, are people are finding deals in tertiary markets around Houston now, which are the Lake Jacksons, the, um, my family's from Bay City, Texas, uh, the uh, Angleton. old uh, Angleton, um, uh, Clue, uh, Conroe, uh, you know, basically everything outside of outside of uh, Houston. Now, with that being said, are deals still being done in Houston? Yes, they are. So I'm not saying that they're just a little bit harder uh, to find. So, with that being said, cap rate, we got a good understanding of cap rate is. Net operating income, good understanding of NOI. Uh, Turn rate of return, what my dollar is making inside the investment. Real, oh, sorry, didn't go to ropes. So, uh, on some of the older properties, they're single meter. It means there's one electricity meter, or there's one water meter, or there's one meter for a particular utility. And so, what um, uh, owners are starting to do, or they've been doing it in the larger properties, but even in the smaller properties, is very expensive to take, say, 24 units with one electricity meter and either sub-meter those or split that electricity out. That's an expensive thing to do, right? So what people are doing is um, they're doing uh, rubs, which um, basically, um, just maybe this is late, the acronym just left me. Ratio. Thank you, Ray. Thank you. Ratio utility building system. Thank you. Uh, uh, appreciate that. I owe you something. Uh, and so, uh, at the end of the day, what they do is they average out the utility bill and they bill the tenant. So it used to be the owner would just eat that. It would be on their expense statement. And uh, electricity is ten thousand a month. I'm paying ten thousand a month. So now they're taking that ten thousand a month and said, I have twenty four, uh, uh, twenty four tenants. I'm going to basically ration that per tenant and send the tenant a separate bill. So they pay their rent, then they get a utility bill or a rubs bill that goes that says your portion of utility electricity is $100 this month. And so what does that do? That basically makes all your rent or more of your rent profit because now they're sharing in the cost of uh, that uh, utility. And they work do that with water as well. Right. There are consultants out there that can show you all the calculus behind how they uh, do that. Now you can sub-meter and you can re-meter. It's just an expensive thing. Especially it's hard to do unless you're buying a property that's completely empty. And then you're gonna, it's much easier to do a re-meter or a sub-meter when it's, uh, the property is empty than when people are living. Right? Rubs, A, B, and C, pro forma versus uh, actuals, capital expenditures, and then again, you get your value by dividing net operating income over uh, the cap rate. So, any questions? Apartment 101, anything I didn't answer? Stuff about the market? That's kind of my, my spiel tonight. I just feel the market's moving right now. It is uh, expensive. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and uh, tight, I won't say it's bubblish, uh, but um, 
you know, last year, at the end of the year, um, I sold a 72 unit apartment complex for, uh, which it, luckily it, it flooded and had been renovated, but I sold it for 65 a door. And I know two years ago that was a 45 a door yeah. deal. Two years ago, not, not five years ago. So um, um, I get a lot of calls when I have a decent amount of multifamily listings uh, from outside capital, New York, Toronto, and California. I don't know what, what it is about Toronto, but I get called from Canada. And that capital is coming here and it's competing with this capital. Uh, again, demand, supply. Uh, so, yeah. On like recent deals that you've done, what do you see as the spread? What's like the spread between cap and debt? I guess it depends on what type of you know asset asset it is. But kind of, what are the spreads you're seeing between whatever they're closing their financing at versus whatever the actual cap rate was? So the 72 unit I closed at the end of the year. Um, that was an off market deal. I, so let me back up. Um, I, because I'm marketing all the time, sometimes we'll come up with deals that um, uh, that I can call. I know you're looking for a specific type of apartment complex or whatever the case may be. So I'll call you and say, "Hey, I have this deal. Do you want it? You know, to take a look at it before uh, we put the, the eyes on it, basically." So that was all market deal. He actually got an eight and a half cap for that deal, which was pretty decent. Um, but he did the Fred, Freddie Mac Small Balance uh, Program. Um, uh, which is another seminar um, with different types of financing, uh, but 20% uh, down and his rate was uh, five and an eighth, five and a quarter. So that was a pretty good spread. You had a balloon payment? Uh, yeah, all, all commercial, usually a five year. They cast out, it's cast out for 20. Uh, actually, a Freddie Mac program will, will cast out for 25, uh, but they all uh, do on a five. But the, every, every type of commercial finance, the true commercial finance is going to be cast out for five or seven because they want to they participate in rates go up in five years, they want to participate in that. So uh, very seldom you get it fixed on a, on, a, on a commercial. Any other questions? You said you're, you're thinking about doing, well, not thinking about, but you're having I got a my plans lots. approved. You, yeah. <laughs> is that approved? Yeah. Inside From, the move or? Uh, in South Park. Okay. Sunnyside area. So okay. um, I've had two lots over there um, for a long time and uh, uh, decided to, to, to uh, do that with the auspices of doing it in other places um, with some other types of programs the city used to have, but I want to do it on my own dollar first just so that I've been doing this a long time and uh, the, from a reputation standpoint, I just want to make sure I have a good product before I put it out there. And from a cost basis, oh. to pay back on that is going to be uh, my cash on cash that. return on that. If, if, uh, my pro forma, my pro forma cash on cash return is like twenty five percent. It's right now building something from scratch and renovating something are almost part and parcel the same. That's what I'm looking at. That's what I'm seeing as well. I am look, um, looking at right now the best bid I have is like eighty five dollars a foot. I'm, I'm not building the Taj Mahal. I'm building decent, safe clean. But on slab? Or no, pyramid. Yeah, I like pyramid. Finally, it's a personal thing. Wow. All the houses I sold, um, I started off the real estate inside the loop, 
they were houses, my first houses that I was selling, they were all up here in Beam, they were building 1930s, and their foundations were still relatively in decent shape, so. Not all I, I don't know if you, it's like, uh, I'll get asked, but do you actually invest, like, so right now in multifamily, or do you kind of question. separate yourself, or what's? So, so um, I've been separating myself. So my, my business story is this. Uh, full time, started in, in 1998. Uh, you know, regular real estate, writ, you know, selling houses, this and the other. Uh, got the HUD contract, went from zero to hero, literally in a weekend, went from seven listings to 157 listings over two weekends. Uh, for five years, managed that um, process. Uh, then uh, Armageddon in 2006, 2007, 2008. And so, and this is all on my podcast, by the way. I tell my, my stories. My wife seems to tell my business in the podcast. But anyway, long story short, um, uh, even though I sell the foreclosures, business wasn't, you know, people weren't buying at the same clip. So I had all these foreclosures. So in order to survive, because I actually practiced real estate, I wasn't just buying it, I sold out all my investment properties. My office building, had a couple single families, this and the other. And so um, fast forward now to 10 years, um, I have bought an office condo, uh, and I've, I have land holdings because of the because of what I want to do. I have lots of some acreage and things of that nature. But no, I haven't invested uh, in multifamily because I want people to, to see me as a broker and not competing against them or trying to make money on the side, things of that nature. But with that being said, um, this year um, uh, I plan to start a fund uh, in order to buy, take advantage of opportunities. Because sometimes even I, when I go out to try to broker a deal, if I had money backing me, uh, then I could take down a deal as a, as a group. And so I've had so many people, you really can't get started in, in bigger multifamily with $25,000. You need to be kind of at the 150, 200 range to kind of even play in that 25 to 50 unit uh, range. And so I have so many people that call me to have 25 or 50 or 17 that you know I think can participate in and still do well. Uh, so that's why I plan to do a fund this year. And my blood type is not. question, your vision, because, and we may have seen it, I agree with you 100%. I think um, being able to fill that, that need for something new, something nice, something safe, something clean for, for people who are hardworking individuals. Yeah. Um, so what's your vision for that? Like, are you, so my experience has been, uh, and I teach community development, so let me preface it with this. Every community development or CDC housing program is based on the uh, people owning home. You mentioned being able to own a house. My experience, boots on the ground over 20 years of dealing with that is that not everybody wants to or can own a home. So what happens to that significant portion of the population? They get priced out and, and priced into areas where, you know, you know and, and that to me. So I think our whole housing policy needs to shift and say, okay, yeah, a portion of it, we should try to encourage home ownership because that truly is where wealth is built. But there are people that they want to rent, they don't want to own, you know, you try to get them to own and they default. Whatever. So, what happens to that particular population? So, my vision is to, to cater to those folks. These specific duplexes, I want to put on VHash 
which is uh, Veterans Housing Assistance Program, which is basically Section 8 of Veterans. Uh, because I have a friend that works with that program and they have difficulty finding housing. And so I, that's the hard part, build them and then have what we call supportive housing, small supportive housing, which is the Veteran Housing Assistance Program. So that's my vision with these particular duplexes for me to own. Now, with that being said, every time I tell somebody I'm doing that, they say, oh, I want to do that. And so could I white box them and start selling them? Yeah, I can, but I want to do it myself first. Because I just, it only takes one bad deal. Like, y'all see all that good stuff about me and my body and all that stuff? It just takes one bad deal and wind up feeling my door. And I'm just little doing stuff. I'm not him anymore. Yeah, not him, but whoever, <laughs> whoever the guy that's in the trash can. Right. Yeah, I, don't that, I don't want that to do. Yeah. Also, is the Section 8B housing Yep. Yes. Yes. The government pays their bills on time. They're going to shut down. Well, almost. They all, uh, Section 8 almost got, got a little close uh, for the first time uh, here. But yeah, um, I have a uh, uh, client, former client uh, has 43 houses, 42 of them on Section 8. All direct deposit on the first of the month. And that extends past Harris County. That's. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, everywhere. Some, some of the counties have their own housing. So if it's outside of the city of Houston, it's in the ETJ, uh, extraterritorial jurisdiction. Um, then Harris County has a housing authority. Um, and then, um, I mean, that's every, every county. Yeah, most counties have a housing authority. Do those have to be in city or can they be in county? In county. But the county, if it's in county, then the county's housing authority deals with it, not the city's. I'm not a Section 8 expert, but I, I know that for a fact. Yeah. You know, I, I came from Florida, and I used to do a lot of Section 8 housing for seniors. Mm-hmm. That's another population, that's by the way. That's a great, that's a, that's a great tool. Another population. But you can't, you don't get a straight rate concept. Yeah, well, I will say this. Um, uh, you can't charge a difference, but um, I have a guy who bought a uh, 60, 20, 20 years inside the loop, and he did uh, the only only uh, restriction you can put from a protected class is age. You get over 55, affordable, over 55. And big, uh, and, and, and it was full, never had any issues because they're happy, good tenants. You know, they just had, you just had, had to let them barbecue. I said that was the only thing that, you know, you had a little risk on. But, you know, it was just, you know, but it was just cool. And I was like, man, that's a really, really uh, good idea. So as it emptied, he, I advertise over 55, so you can um, uh, do over 55, you know, uh, uh, communities. Is that considered just senior or is that also retirement? Yeah, whoever's over 55, yeah. So whatever, the, if because I, I, I would say probably 70% of those folks are still working. Um, yeah, yeah. But just that age group, you know, they're not bringing up, they're not headbanging against the wall at night, you know. That part I don't know. I just know he did. I, know he did. That was the I would have to get you with the with, yeah. with a real estate attorney to find out. I, I don't know the answer, but I do know he did. Any questions? If I bought a um, vacant duplex inside the loop and um, hadn't been living in a while, would you share with me about occupancy permits? Um. Um. About to take a duplex. So there's no occupancy permit uh, for residential, but you pull permits 
Perkins trade pool permit. So, so it's no different than a single family, if you've ever done a single family. So plumber has to pull a permit. Yeah. Um, well, let me say this because I know I'm supposed to pull a permit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> pull a permit. Uh, uh, electrical, you know, all the trades, but there's no occupancy permit. Now, uh, which brings up a good point. If you buy a, a multi-family, anything over uh, three units in the city of Houston requires a certificate of habitability, which is different than the occupancy permit. Three and over or over three? Over three. Okay. Over three. So up to three, you're good. Once you cross over the fourplex, you need an occupancy, I mean, a habitability. And the certificate of habitability is a basically, for lack of a better term, it's the slumlord provision. Uh, and they come out and they check uh, your foundation, your electrical, they check uh, if you have stairs, they check the distance between your rise and run, exactly. Uh, rise and run. Uh, I've been drinking up there. Uh, and, so, <laughs> um, and make sure that it's the safety where kids can't fall through it. Um, they check basically life safety things. And um, it's available online. If you Google certificate of habit, habit to do in Houston, they have a checklist online of everything that they'll go through. And uh, they do it every two years. And I, they call it a certificate. You don't get a certificate, you either pass or fail. Uh, but if you fail, they come back out and, and you don't, they can find you on a daily basis, so on and so forth. A lot of people, when they buy multifamily, especially the 16, 20 units, they've never heard of it. Uh, and um, in the city, it's, it's always seems to happen. The city's up on the two years and knock on the door like two months later and say, oh, hey, you got $100,000 worth of work you need to do. And they're like, well, I didn't know. You know, no one's up. So whenever I submit an offer on behalf of a buyer, I always ask for proof that they pass the certificate of habitability. Tell y'all right now, you are not just gonna say that somebody ain't gives money uh, if they buy something decent. Uh, and if they don't have it, then I take that into consideration as I'm negotiating because they may not have it. You still may want the deal, but you need to look at that checklist to see the stuff on that checklist is gonna be done uh, correctly. How much is gonna cost you? So it's like a block to condos where every unit is owned by. No, no, it applies to multi-family, single. So if you own 20 condos out of a 40 condo uh, association, uh, then that's another code. The condo association in the city get together versus if you own all 40 of those condos, you'll be dealing with the city from an occupancy standpoint. That looks weird. Right. Any Everybody's on the bay on the ropes. I'm doing the city one building like this. <laughs> Hey, thanks for listening as always. Do you have questions about any of the topics I'm talking about? If you have questions, let me know. Email me at kevin at kevinriles.com. Again, that's kevin at kevinriles.com. I'm going to do a podcast just on the questions uh, that you guys are sending to me. So feel free to send them to me. Again, that's kevin at kevinriles.com.